1: Welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast, I'm Amy Frost and my guest today is the incredible Boyd XL. Not only is he four times world champion, he's seven times the FEI World Cup driving champion. And what I love about Boyd is his ethos, his rules to live by and his principles to compete by, which are be driven, be distinctive and be spirited. This is Boyd XL on the Horse Hour Podcast. Welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. Today we have the champion of champions. It's Boyd Excel. How are you, Boyd?
2: Very well, thank you. This yeah. is
1: a very different interview we're doing today because, well, first of all, I need to explain for those that don't know how successful you are, you're four times world champion, seven times FEI World Cup driving champion. You're the Reem acro best athlete, really. I mean, you're just absolutely the the king of driving, Boyd. And when we see you at places like the Royal Windsor Horse Show, the crowd are always so behind you. What's it like to, to have that sort of...
2: Well, I think that's like for two reasons. I, um, you know, living in England for 25 years and working with everybody there, I think you build a bit of an empathy with everybody, you know. And I've learned from people like uh, George Bowman and uh, some great horse people in the country. So I've I've had that benefit of being there. So so first of all, you know, it's uh, I'm just sort of feel like I'm driving on home ground, Mm -hmm. and then secondly. Um, they're all friends and colleagues in the driving sport and the general public that are behind me. So that's a nice thing. But And thirdly, I don't see myself as king of the sport. You know, <laughs> I I see other people more like George Bowman as king of the sport and I'm just a person I'm following up in the next generation. Um, but as I look over my shoulder, there's other people coming on the next generation as well. Mm. So I'm sort of in the middle of my career.
1: We, we must explain this is a totally different interview today because you're actually driving while you're talking to me.
2: <laughs> yeah I'm driving in our, from our new venue. We've moved to Holland my wife and I three years ago and uh, I'm driving in the indoor menage school and uh, it's a little bit overcast outside and uh, as, as everybody's <laughs> had a very long winter this year mm. so um, my horses are just starting to complain that they've been inside too long so I'm i'm looking forward to getting outside
1: oh really do they what, what why is it different for them what do they get bored of the, Of going around? well you've
2: just done you've done two months i mean two months sort of in an indoor school and they're being trained and schooled and uh it's quite nice just to let off the steam and go for a drive in the forest or work in a bigger area so um you know i'm nearly at that point now i can feel them all saying uh you know, my, When I'm away, my wife takes them for a drive or a hack and my grooms take them out. Mm-hmm. So they're not in here all the time, obviously. But when I'm schooling them, um, we we spend a lot of time just, just doing flat work and basic dressage training.
1: Oh, really? So you use dressage? Do you, do you ride them?
2: Yeah, not all of them. But the ones that would benefit from it or need it or... So, yes, we do. Probably 30-40% are ridden. So they're either worked independently or ridden or long-range or lunged you know Mm. so before I leave to go away I generally spend two or three days at home training and then two or three days away teaching and when I'm away I leave sort of instructions on which horse needs what as opposed you know depending what I think if he's a bit stiff I think he'll need some lunging if I think he needs some canter work he would have some riding if I think he needs to learn to pull the carriage a little bit more because he's freeloading lately uh the horse will be driven singles and then the same tailoring for the grooms you know depending on, I know the character of the grooms and the character of the horses, so I'll, I'll choose the fit so that they uh, end up uh, a happy unit when I come back.
1: So how many are you driving right now?
2: Uh, I'm driving a team of four. Wow. So I've got two leaders, Eldorus, uh, Eldorado and Myro on the lead, and Everest and Incognito on the wheel. It's sort of a mixture. I've got one 14-year-old on the front and one 6-year-old on the front. A little bit the same, one 10-year-old on the back in the wheel and one 5-year-old beside him. So I've, it's a mixed team, but most days I'll drive maybe six or seven teams and, uh, a day and I'll mix the groups, uh, you know, until I find a couple. This is two medium bays and two, two blacks, hmm. but they're all, they, they make a team. You know, They don't always start as a team, but generally when I finish training at the end of the hour, hour and a quarter... We go home as a as a team.
1: So what what makes them a team? What are you looking for?
2: Well, with a team of four horses, the leaders have to be forward-going and brave mm-hmm. and work. They've got to be in front of the leg, as you would say, if you're riding. Um, they've got to be self-propelled, go in self-carriage. Um, and the back two horses, actually, they're, the, they're your bankers. They're the ones that you rely on to pull the carriage and keep you safe. They have to be sensitive as well because they have to keep you away from cars or trees or, um, you know, so even if the leaders turn quickly, the wheelers don't just follow the horses in front. Um, So they've got another job to do. So, you know, a team is quite a lot of work and uh, we often say it takes five years to make a team ready for international competition, you know, four years to make them ready for national, where you can rely on them for good results, Mm. So, consistent results.
1: Yeah, so what are you doing with the What have you been doing with them today? Walk, what are you doing with them now? Walk.
2: They're now ready for a walk break. They've just done sort of, well, I'm sort of in my last three quarters of an hour, mm. um, the end of it, and they've finally all become soft and stepping through. I'm looking for the leaders to put their hind legs in the right place and um, they'll have a little walk break now for one, you know, 30 seconds to a minute and then I'll leave it and then I'll start adding transitions into the work. So it's taken me 40 minutes to get them settled uh and supple. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to ask ask for transitions and a little bit of forward and back work.
1: Are these the ones that you're, you know, you take to the FEI World Cup?
2: No. No, that's a completely different uh team of horses. I think I mentioned just a minute ago, I've got sort of a 14-year-old and a a 6-year-old in the front and then I've got a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old in the back Mm. of this group. But my actual competition team vary the same. You don't sort of have one group of horses that are all the same age. People sort of in a dream world think that you have them all the same age. But you know, experience helps youth and youth brings energy and so you really want matching temperament and characters that complement each other. Mm. Uh, my good indoor team that I use in the World Cup, they're different horses. They're much smaller, faster um, horses with less dressage paces. And this team here um, have got bigger movement. More like, uh, you know, good quality dressage horses.
1: What breeds are they, Boyd? Do you use a particular breed the same time or uh, does it vary?
2: Yeah, I mean, this four I'm driving the moment are Dutch bred. They're Gelderlanders that are bred in Holland. Mm. Um, I love
1: the Gelderlanders. They're just so stunning. Their movements are phenomenal.
2: Yeah, and um, they're good for what I like in driving because they're an affordable price, very strong veterinary-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you don't really... They've got a lot of brute strength at even sort of a five-year-old. And, you know, you go through a lot to find the ones with good character. You want the big movement, but you need the good character as well. So you you end up going through a lot of horses to find them. But uh, when you get the good ones, that's well worth it.
1: Yeah, you want to but keep hold of them. My... Trot. My uh, my horse is a Frisian cross Gelderlander, and oh, right. he's just the most phenomenal. He's got the temperament; uh, he could probably drive if he wasn't broken, bless him. But he's just got the temperament of of being bold and brave, and he has the finesse of the, the Gelderlanders' fine legs, um, which uh-huh. I think complement. I, I don't know; you'll probably say no way. You can never use him as a driving horse, but
2: <laughs> so has he got has he got the um, cleverness of a Frisian.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Cleverness of Frisian Friesian and the Gildlander strength and paces. Mm. That makes sense. They have a good cross. That's a good cross, really, you know, because if you're going to say, you know, generally the Geldlanders, you know, need to keep their composure because they're bred for show showing. You know, they're a hackney cross, warm blood. Um, so they're show horses. And if you, you know, the Friesians have the sense and sensibility and the pace, you know with good paces now you've got two horses with good paces yeah it mm. makes sense it's quite a good cross
1: and they look beautiful as well <laughs> with the head carriage can't help but and love what color
2: what color is your is yours black
1: oh he's black yeah absolutely
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so your your wife then you say that she's a massive support and obviously your children as well wasn't she an inventor?
2: that's right Preetha um came from uh eventing background and um she used to own foreign exchange he uh won bramham and burley and did he actually ended up breaking down after the cross country in badminton so it was a very good horse Um, she used to she produced him and then terry boone event rider carried on with him in the later years he then got retired you know when he was rebuilt he got retired to uh dressage Mm. So she's based. I broke my leg in 2006, and uh, somebody had to keep training the horses. So, you know, Preetha had to learn how to drive. She didn't, she wasn't thrilled about the idea, but then <laughs> I said to her, you know, just put your flat work skills to the same, um, because it is the same inside leg to outside hand in flat work. And then, um, you know forget that just in a carriage and just do your basic work and then she she did the same she just very quickly forgot that she was in a carriage and just so she's been able to drive ever since oh, she amazing. still rides quite a lot
1: yeah do you think she brings some of her do you think her eventing experience has actually enhanced the the training of your horses
2: probably not i wouldn't say i'd say her basic horsemanship and her dressage knowledge and horse sense as in how to look after horses in the stable, and that's definitely helped. Yes, cross-country schooling, there are parallels, but not really it's something that uh, you know that doesn't bring a big benefit. But everything else does for sure
1: Mm. because I often wonder when we talk about different disciplines what we can cross over for example the dressage helps uh, a lot with the jumping and you're using dressage and groundwork with your carriage driving so I I wonder how much crossover there is when it comes to carriage driving because like you said it's totally different you're not sat on the horse you're you're driving them from behind so in my head I'm thinking is there a lot more voice that you use a lot more of your voice is it obviously it's more hands but how heavy can you be with your hands?
2: Well, the trick is to have the horse accepting the contact and correctly on the bit. Mm. Correctly on the bit means they've got to be in front of your leg. So if you release the contact, the team goes forward. And if you hold the contact, they wait. You know, so now it's where it gets a bit grey and more difficult is where you're covering for something not correctly set up. So if you're riding a horse and he wasn't going completely in front of your leg, you might have a, a strong rider could produce that horse to do something that he's not, willingly do, doing um, the trick with driving is to have them you know horses in the front of the team have got to be completely willing to do it that you can't hide anything and you can't sort of squeeze with a strong rider legs so it's more that you know the, you think um, the advanced, as an advanced driver I'm looking for the same horse that an advanced rider is looking for You know, um, mm. you know which is the same horse that a young you know, a 12-year-old girl or boy could ride because that horse has got the temperament and the paces and the intelligence that helps me win But also looks after a junior rider, you know, it, it would be the same horse. It's where an, a professional might make a lesser horse look better um, because of their skills. So that means the rider would be carrying, the uh, rider or driver would be carrying a less talented horse. Um, but actually, so in riding and driving, we're looking for the same horses.
1: You're looking for the dream horse.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: One that we all want. And and do your children That's ride right. them?
2: Yes, I mean, a little bit. Our children, uh, my daughter's quite keen on riding at the moment. I'll um, oh, keep she, her into uh...
1: that as long as you can, because she'll get to 15, Boyd, and that'll be it. You have to well, keep her she's,
2: in it. She's, she has an older brother who loves motorbikes and tractors and football and anything like that and you know he's not thrilled about the horses but the trouble is they see horses here a bit like a tennis court or a swimming pool they're always here Mm. so it's not like it's not like it's a special thing when I was a child you know I didn't have them so when I went somewhere I was looking for that place you know to find them so so how old
1: were you when you first loved horses
2: probably six when I first loved them Mm. you know Every time you'd go somewhere in a car, you'd be looking out the window to horses in the paddock. I think that at that time, I was fascinated by palominos. Oh, yeah, they're So, so um, But when I started, I used to sort of jump in the field to go and say hello to a horse, and as the horse walked up to me, I'd jump back out of the fence and pat it from the other side of the fence. So I really had no training or knowledge of horses, but just... Was fascinated and loved them.
1: And, and were your parents horsey? Did they have any horses? No,
2: no, no, not at all. My mother's a school teacher. And my father's a civil civil engineer. And uh, for every sort of birthday, that asked me what I'd like to do for my birthday, and I'd say, take the family trail riding. So we'd all, <laughs> they'd all have to go trail riding, and uh, that would be my fix. Oh. My mother introduced me to a, a colleague, and he had carriage horses. And, uh, I remember all I wanted to do was sort of pony club and jumping mm. and, uh, this guy had carriage horse. I was devastated <laughs> and, uh, to work with cart horses. But then again, after a few days, I didn't even see the carriages. I just saw horses, you know, so, mm. um, uh, very quickly. So my background is only really driving. It wasn't until I moved to the UK when I was 21 that I started, uh, enjoying riding and hunting and, uh, you know, uh, then I, then my riding sort of improved.
1: And and what was it like for oh, you making that transition? Oh, oh. Making that transition from driving to then actually getting on board. Did you, was it was it difficult?
2: No, no, because just like we said, you know, it's the same. You're looking for that same level of control, that same training. Um, that same good characters, good balance. Mm. Um, so it's no different, and and that's the mistake people think. You know, it's a driving horse, and that means it's a different horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. <laughs>
1: So it's very much the relationship with the horse, isn't it? And your bond with them and trust, I think. You, you, you say that you're looking for the same thing. But when I think about driving, I think, well, I'm going to need more trust on the horse because I'm not, I don't feel like I have that control because I'm not sat on their back.
2: Well, you probably have more control, mm. actually. We have more control of a horse because we have a vehicle that sort of slightly restricts their sideways motion, mm. so in, in flight... You know, often horses that are badly behaved or unrideable become driving horses, the ones that rear over backwards or rear up. And that's because we can manage those sort of horses that don't stand still, horses, you know, that run sideways. We can manage that a little bit better um, in a carriage than you can under saddle. So we have a little bit more control than a riding horse. And generally driving horses have better discipline and manners than riding horses as well.
1: I remember when I was teaching my horse to long rein um in the in the very early stages i I'd, I'd never done it before Boyd, and most of us haven't Most of us are quite inexperienced and we get an instructor to come and help us, but it's just su- there's such a big learning process and and I remember uh, somebody saying they need to trust you that they're okay by themselves because they're out ahead of you and you're not near them that actually your voice and your hand and the feel that you have in the rain is so important because they're pretty much out there by by themselves is that right
2: yeah i think you know in a more advanced way you would say you are using your voice to complement something you're lacking in skill wise so if you're (laughs) haven't got your horse set up correctly, or he's young and he, you know, it's a three-year-old and he doesn't know what he's doing anyway. Mm. You use your voice to build some sort of foundation. Once you've got a foundation, you, it's good hands, good feeling, good training. That brings you to the next level. Mm. Uh, once, yeah, once thereafter, it's, you know, what builds trust in horses is being happy and content in their work. You know, and if they're a little bit worried that the person doesn't know what they're doing, of course they become a little bit anxious, and there you have to put your voice to it. But once you, the horse and the the driver know or rider, are confident, then everything falls into place thereafter.
1: Mm. Now, driving isn't it one of the oldest disciplines in the world? It's most the most original, isn't it?
2: That's right. It was it was in the Olympics. It was in Roman times, in the Olympics. Um, so it was one of the only equestrian sports that was uh, in the Olympics at that time.
1: But I hear, and you can tell me the story behind this, the Duke of Edinburgh then formalised the rule book in 1968 and now it's changed to what it is today. But what is the history that goes with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, Prince Philip was part of... He knew that driving was very big in um, countries like Hungary, Budapest, you know, uh, Germany, Holland, and so he saw a niche that a sport could be developed through the FEI. He was the president of the FEI at that time. And he, you know, could see that all these countries needed being pulled together along a rule book. And it wasn't just pleasure driving. It became a, a sport that could bring countries together. So he used the foundation of eventing or military riding, as it was called in that time. You know, the the dressage, the jumping, the cross the show jumping phase Hmm. and then just adapted it for driving and we do exactly the same we have to show our training in dressage the first day on the friday on the saturday we have the fun and the rough and tumble of cross country and then on the sunday we have to be able to prove that our horses are still well trained and under control and stay accurate and supple so you know it's the same test and it works the formula works really well
1: which is your favourite bit to do of the three days?
2: Um, <laughs> is there a favourite? <laughs> good question. I mean, they all bring different tests because, of course, you've got to learn to be controlled and balanced on the cross country, and then you've well, there's also an element that you've got to be know know how to cowboy as well. <laughs> um, but uh, probably the training we do seventy percent training and thirty percent competing. So, the for me, the joy of the, the competition is to see your training that's come to fruition. You know, what you've been working on for six months or, you know, um, mm. some of these horses that I'm driving at the moment, uh, they'll probably do a, their first show in June or July. So, you know, it's quite a long time in preparation before I compete them, this group anyway. So, it's always nice to see that, yeah, that horse has done what I taught him at home and even under the pressure of a show he's responded
1: because it's all so watching it you know when we're at the royal windsor hall show and we're, and we're watching the cross country it's so exhilarating i mean i literally hold my breath as you're going through especially the water ditches and i think oh my goodness how how on earth are you going to get around those tight corners but you have another person that sits on the carriage with you don't don't you how do they balance out the the, the carriage
2: yeah we have a navigator um that stands behind the driver and that navigator feeds information, and you have a backstep man on the very back. He also gives information, but his main job is to keep the carriage upright because you know the power of a horse, or two horses, or four horses. Mm-hmm. When they hit, when they hit power together, they can sort of throw the carriage over like a ragdoll. Um, so you, it's incredible the thrust you can get from a team of horses. So our, our carriages, our cross country carriages weigh uh six minimum six hundred kilograms, so they're about three quarters of a ton that the horses pull and sometimes that doesn't feel heavy enough. Um, you know, when they're competition fits and flying at full gallop. But uh it's worked worked out a sort of quite a good formula, it's a correct balance of weight. A pair of horses only pulls three hundred and fifty kilograms. But yeah, it's all about safety and and sensible balance mm.
1: and years of experience and working out what weights work i should imagine if they're
2: that's right i mean it started i mean in the days when prince philip wrote the rule book the they used to drive in iron tired carriages you know traditional wooden carriages and now they're using modern carriages with disc brakes and steering systems and rear wheel steering and you know independent uh, turntable brakes and airbags and goes on you know the the modernization of carriages are unbelievable
1: it sounds like some of the car manufacturers are getting involved in this (laughs) do you you get land rover carriages
2: yeah of course really that's where all that's where all our main ideas are coming from you know uh torsion bars to make the inside wheels take weight and not just the outside wheels gripping and stabilizers and Mm. yeah yeah, the, you can't believe a traditional carriage. So on the top, they look traditional, and underneath, they're like, you know, streamlined machines.
1: Wow, super sports cars, hey. But that's yep. better, because at least it makes you safer. Because have have there have you ever had any close calls?
2: Oh, of course, while well, we're all learning, you know. Yeah. Like a riding horse, you would accidentally fall off or tip over or something. The important thing is to hold the reins, so that the horses uh, don't run away with a free-moving machine. Mm. or carriage and um but um generally even when you do a turnover very rarely actual damage happens to the horse uh you know they can fall on their sides and we pick them back up and they're fine and off we go again you know so oh, amazing it's, uh, yeah it's whereas when you fall off a riding horse it gallops away Whoa, horse stand mm. It gallops away free um a driving horse has an element, an implement behind it.
1: Tends to stand there. Um, it might be worth—I don't know if you would do this—but we always try to desensitize horses to everything as much as we can that we might come across. Um, would you be tempted to turn a, a, to turn a carriage to teach them to stand and not bolt?
2: No, you just—you just, as you say, get them used to noises. But you have incidents. Like a garbage bag flying down the road, and you teach your horses to stand at that time. Mm. They're the they're the important things, you know. It's discipline on the way that makes it work.
1: So, have we have we stopped now? Are you going to give the boys yeah, a break? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I'll do the change now.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay,
1: so we've moved on to our next team. Who do you have on this team?
2: Uh, I am driving just a pair this time. I tend to, like, drive it. My grooms will have a pair ready, and we sort of go team pair, team pair throughout the day. I'm driving a horse called Tomo, mm-hmm. and he is an experienced horse. It's actually a Cleveland Bay thoroughbred. Oh, wow. And another horse called Jim, who is a Dutch... Dutch Harness Horse, Gelderlander type. So they And these horses are owned by a customer that have sent them over to have them trained for him.
1: Oh, wow. And is he going to compete with them?
2: Yeah, he's a South African gentleman, and he will be, like you say, um, coming over. He's a South African oncologist doctor. So he comes um, for a week, competes, and then goes back to South Africa. Oh wow! So he leaves, so
1: he leaves, he leaves them, them yeah. with you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the, so I'm guessing you're going to train them for about 45 minutes an hour. So, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you planning on doing with them?
2: Um, at the moment, I'm just walking, like I do a five or ten minute, you know, free walk before I put too much pressure on them and ask anything. And then, um, again, sapling exercise to begin with. One of them, Jim, is a new horse in the pair, so he's only getting used to it. So I've got to get him to accept and work with his partner. He's quite a strong character, so it takes a little while.
1: (laughs) It's nice to get them relaxed, isn't it? I'm interested, though, with the dressage side of things. With dressage training, it's always about bending and flexing and keeping them supple and moving lots. But do you have the same with your driving, or do you need them to stay stay straight in one line? Is there less bending?
2: No, it's the same. You're looking for principles of their... Leg, so you're looking for the inside hind to go direction right front. So it's not really we're looking for anything different. Mm-hmm. um The problem what we have is we have a carriage that interferes with what those basic mechanics. So you have to sort of teach them to do what ridden dressage horses do, mm. plus ignore the carriage and still do it anyway. Yeah. You know, so they some of them complain like this one at the moment. Jim's complaining that. It's difficult for him to do because there's a pole down the middle of him sort of knocking him sideways and then I have to teach him how to handle handle it so he can learn to cope with it.
1: Mm. And does that take time?
2: Yeah, just time and repetition and and understanding and then and then once they've worked it out, away we go, you know. Yeah. Then you can just make good headway and good progress but it's all, it's patience, yeah. time, patience and money. Yeah, yeah I as bet. As say, you just got to have the three things and and understand horses, you know, because horses tell you what to do and complain about what to do, so it's always, you know, uh, reading the signals, you know.
1: So I'm guessing then, to summarise, you need a good temperament horse that's athletic, that's strong, that's going to listen to you, that's brave, that's bold. Um, what do you feed them to get them like this? Because with athletic horses that have this strength and power... The competition feeds sometimes hot them up and you can't have a hot-headed horse.
2: No, that's true. I mean, I'm lucky I've been working with Dodson Horrell for over 25, 30 years and um, they're a brilliant feed company that has actually the balance, you know. They've Mm. got a feed called Build Up, which puts condition on but also creates energy. Then they have something else like barley hoops that put on condition without heating. So it's just a matter of learning the product range and getting advice from there um feed specialists um but you know quality food does make a difference likewise with quality you know shoeing if you if you do good you know a good farrier good good training good shoeing and good horse feed and things come together thereafter
1: Mm, absolutely. And they're good with then they've got great nutritionists who can offer advice as well on your particular horse because I can't imagine that all your horses are on the same feed.
2: No, exactly. Um, you know, we've got 40 to 50 horses here in the stables wow. and um they've all got different um feeding regimes. All of them, they've all got a different pattern. But I come back from my training and I'll say to my grooms, okay, I want this one to have less of the ERS pellets and more of the barley hoops. Or I'll say, I want more more energy in this one. So he needs the competition mix, you know. So they're all different.
1: Yeah. And what's the horse's free time like? Are they stabled a lot? Do they Are they allowed to go and be wild horses, you know, in the forest? Or do they have a serious structure even when you're not training?
2: No, I, I have little bit, um, a system I picked up in England, which is when the season's finished for us the end of September, I put Mm. my horses out, you know, all six or seven of them together, take the shoes off, um, and I'll put them out in the field until uh, end of January. So they really have, you know, a good five, six months holiday. Um, Anything I need to keep training through the winter that, you know, is a bit behind in training or young horse that has to work through it, I also, um, I carry on with those.
1: It's good for them to have a break, isn't it? And, and just have a bit of headspace and be horses for a bit.
2: Well, you have to be careful not taking risks through the season. So my horses tend to stay in the stables while I'm competing. Mm. But um, if I do a competition at Royal Windsor, when I come home, they'll have four days rest in the field each. But just in small paddocks where they can um, just go out side by side each other and they get, you know, four days time out and then back to working them.
1: Boyd, I can't believe I haven't even said this. Uh, well, you know, when we first ta- started talking, I need to give you massive congratulations because this year already you won the FEI World Cup Indoor Finals in Bordeaux.
2: Yeah, that was that was uh, a very good. Uh, we didn't. We had a good start to the season to the World Cup, and then um, towards the actual show at Olympia this year, which was in December. Yeah, I came third, and uh, but I won the warm up round and uh, another round. And the same in Leipzig in Germany. I won the warm-up round and then the first round in the drive-off. And then the actual drive-off, in the jump-off, I uh, had a young horse and he couldn't quite take the pressure. So when I went to the final in Bordeaux, I put the old experienced horse back in the front and And nailed a good good consistent (laughs) result. So it was quite a nice win You know, when you lose two times in a row and then suddenly you put it back together and... Mm. You know, so but that's sport.
1: Well, it is sport, and um, and I'm and I'm so thrilled for you because last year you also won at the Royal Windsor Horse Show, and we've got the Royal Windsor Horse Show coming up in May. It's the ninth of the thirteenth of May. So, who will you be taking with that one? Will you be taking the more experienced one that you took to Bordeaux, or are we hoping yeah, that the youngster from Olympia? Can... No, I'm
2: planning to take um, horses that I'm going to use at the Wag in Tryon at the end of the year. So. Windsor's quite an important show. I sort of have three highlight shows this year. Windsor and then Arken in Germany and then Big Bergen in Holland. And then we'll be, then we'll be flying to America for the World of Equestrian Games. So I won't do too many shows with my top team, um, mm-hmm. just three. But Windsor is one of those. It's a Nations Cup show. So Germany and Holland and uh, Hungary and France and Sweden all send their top, top drivers to that show now. It's become more and more popular over the last sort of five, seven years. And it's becoming, uh, it's at the very beginning of the calendar. We all tend to do one show prior to Royal Windsor Mm. and then get ourselves in line that we can, you know, do a good show there.
1: Well, we're supposed to have the hottest summer ever this year, aren't we? And like the hot, hottest summer in 100 years. So I'm hoping by May all this horrible rain will go and you guys can have a clear, sunny day for your cross country.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mind you, it also makes it spectacular when it's raining the vehicles are broadsiding and sliding like being on an ice, <laughs> ice skating rink so either way it'll be a good day.
1: You've got to be so brave you must just have be an adrenaline junkie is there or is there a sense of calm when you're driving?
2: Well you're only as good as the horses that are in front of you that's the <laughs> thing so the horses are fast and calm and cool with it mm-hmm. you know they make us look good
1: you've got some wonderful supporters behind you and sponsors behind you who who helps you what products do you use on the cross-country course?
2: I use a harness called Zilco which is a, a plastic coated sort of horse-friendly webbing harness and that. I use that a lot on the cross country. I use a wolf wear boots on the horses. They're all, uh, the carriage I use is a Dutch make, Vanden Heuvel but all those things are important to young athletes and sportsmen mm. and uh, but it's only as good as if it makes the horses comfortable so you know but we have a group of 12 or 13 people that come to the competitions with us you know from a, a, a team chef and three or four grooms because if you're taking five or six horses to each show you need the manpower with you, so it's a bit of a family outing, and you know, private sponsors come along, and uh, I've got a gentleman called Hugh Scott Barrett. He rides in the back of my carriage. Uh, he's a London banker and uh, property developer, so he he's actually not from horse at all. You know, he's been involved in <laughs> as an owner of racehorses, so now he's he's well hooked on the rough and the tumble of being on the carriage. <laughs>
1: how great to get non-equestrians into it as well um, and yeah. there's a lot with the riding for the disabled I see a lot of carriage driving um, with them and I just think it's amazing It's, it's. I find it a really exhilarating sport and boy if I could do everything I would I mean at the moment I can't really do anything well um, yeah. but I find it all so fascinating anything with horses is just completely addictive um, so thank you thank you very much for joining us today sharing a bit of your world into carriage driving and we can't wait to see you at the Royal Windsor Show in May.
2: Look forward to it. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to find out more information about carriage driving, then head to our website, horsehour.co.uk. You can get all the information you need on our education hub. It really is fascinating to watch the carriage driving. And I hope you'll be heading down to the Royal Windsor Horse Show in May to just check out Boyd and his amazing team. You can follow Boyd if you'd like to see his journey by heading to his Facebook page, which is at Boyd Excel. He's also on uh, Twitter and instagram so you can stay up to date with the team and how they're getting on hope you enjoyed horse hour on twitter this evening between eight o'clock and nine o'clock every monday evening we get together with equestrians all over the world to talk about your stories you share pictures and videos just include the hashtag hashtag horse hour in your tweets so that we can share your stories i hope you have a really good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon
0: you've been listening to horse hour Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM.